2: Good morning, good morning. We are excited about what's happening today at Celebration Live Church. We've gathered, we're going to be bringing you some teaching and and ministry and some help to overcome fear. Much of the media has been sowing words that have almost caused like an addiction. If we had a new pornography, it would be fear. And, And people are addicted to it with a mentality of they'll be a hero if they do this for someone else. And it's created such a a draw and such a weight on people and and people then go to they want to know they're going to be that hero so they'll turn in am I doing what fear has told me today because that makes me a hero well fear doesn't make anyone a hero and the truth of God that's what's going to ground us it's going to stabilize us it's going to cause us and give us a place to grow and a great foundation This morning, I'm just gonna open up and then Pastor Neil is going to come. I wanna open up with Psalms, or pardon me, Proverbs chapter three. It says, the Lord by wisdom has founded the earth and wisdom is the truth of God made manifest to us in a tangible way. Amen? He said, by understanding he's established the heavens. By his knowledge, the depths are broken up, the clouds drop down the dew. We wanna be places where the rivers of God and his anointing flow through us and minister to us Because we know that there is life that's represented in all the scriptures. When it talks about the water of heaven, it's that life of God that comes and ministers to us. And we want to be people who are living in that. Amen? My son and daughters, let them not depart from their eyes. Keep sound wisdom and discretion. You're going to hear some sound wisdom today. It's going to help you. So shall they be what? Life unto thy soul, grace to thy neck. Then you shall walk lie in thy way safely and your foot shall not stumble there are words out there that are causing people to shake rattle and roll we want to be people who are not moved that doesn't mean the wind never blows it means that when the wind blows you stay, stay you stay firm when you lie down you shall not be afraid and I believe today that part's really going to be conquered for people Many people are okay when they're with others, and they can kind of use the strength of those around them, and that's not wrong, to stabilize them. But when they go to sleep, even if there's someone beside them, everyone goes to sleep by themselves. And it's in that place where we need to be extra stable. And this is a great promise. When you lie down, you shall not be afraid. So good. Yea, you shall lay down, and you're going to have a good sleep. And unless the Holy Spirit wakes you up to pray for somebody, it's all good. So my husband, I know there's been lots stirring and have been praying lots, praying for our nations, praying for the people of God. And he said, you were like going at it all night long. I didn't even remember. <laughs> he said, I said, sometimes I just listened. I wondered if I could hear what you were saying, but it didn't sound like English. I said, don't, don't think it was. Amen. Be not afraid of sudden fear. That's a different kind of thing that people deal with. It shocks them or they're surprised or didn't see something coming. When we're listening to the Holy Spirit, there's a place we can hear and we can be aware. And then sudden fear doesn't have a place to kind of come on us. Neither of the desolation of the wicked when it does come. When it does come and it does. For the Lord shall be our confidence and shall keep our feet from being taken. It's a great day to get stabilized in God's word, to be stabilized by the Holy Ghost, to know that his presence is in us, and working through us, we're excited about it. Hallelujah. Come on, Pastor. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your great grace. We thank you for open hearts. We thank you that we are good soil, ready receivers, ready for your word. Oh, the planting of the Lord today, that we will be stabilized. That we'll be solid in your word, that your word will open up to us and our understanding will be enlightened by the Holy Ghost. And everybody says, "Amen."
1: Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. So, I don't care. Amen. <laughs> Amen. I don't care Amen. at all. That's what I'm going to be talking about. That I don't care. I want everybody to say it. I don't, I care. don't, care. I don't care. I don't care. So. One day, in uh, uh, quite a few months ago, in, in men's group, I can't even remember what we were talking about, but uh, Barry, who is Pastor Gwen's husband, he pipes up and he says, he, he, he basically just says, I don't care. And I could literally feel in, in the room, it like, the, the atmosphere just kind of tense. And everybody's like, you don't care? What do you mean you don't care? Yeah, I mean, when you think about it, the world, if if you're not caring, you're not loving somebody, according to the world, right? If you're not caring about whatever's going on, the situation, all that kind of stuff, right? And even I, I tensed. I'm like, you don't care? What, what do you mean you don't care? But I realized that that is the truth. We shouldn't be caring. <laughs> I'm getting those same stares like, what are you talking about? <laughs> According to the world, that seems mean, right? That you're not caring. So let's turn to First uh, Peter chapter 5. First Peter chapter 5. I'm just going to grab my water while you guys are doing that. We're going to be looking at verses 5 and 7. Or 5 to 7, I mean. First Peter chapter 5, verses 5 to 7. Lots of stuff on here. And I'm going to start partway through verse 5. And it says, Be clothed with humility. This is in the King James. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Verse 6. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Verse 7, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. What does all mean in the Greek? Right? All means all. Notice that doesn't say cast some of your care on him, for he cares for you. Or cast just the care about your family on him because he cares for you or cast just all the cares that you have at work because he cares for you or cast all the cares that you have about your dentist (laughs) on him because he cares for you. It says to cast all of your cares on him for he cares for you. I wanted to read this from the I'm assuming you pronounce this Vist. it's W-U-E-S-T is the last name of the, the gentleman that uh, did this New Testament version. Vist. I'm assuming, but anyway, I'm going to read it from from this translation here because I think it really paints a great picture. Oh, too far. It says, moreover, all of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, because God opposes himself to those who set themselves above others, but gives grace to those who are lowly. Permit yourselves, therefore, to be humbled under the mighty hand of God, in order that you, he, may exalt in an appropriate season. listen to this, having deposited with him once for all the whole of your worry. I'm going to say that, yeah, having deposited with him once for all the whole of your worry because to him it is a matter of concern respecting you. I'm going to be jumping back and forth I'm going to put that down there so I've been talking about not caring but what does that have to do with fear well in the biblical sense when we humble ourselves to God we have to trust him and if we don't trust him we're in fear right right If we don't trust him, we are in fear. (laughs) So what does caring or what is not caring or caring have to do with fear? When we care, we are not trusting. We fear the outcome. We're trying to control the outcome. (laughs) When we're in fear, we're trying to figure out what the best thing to do to fix the situation that we're looking at right now. We're trying to take it on ourselves, in our own abilities, in our own ways, right? We try to deal with the situation because we don't trust anybody else. We try to deal with the situation because we don't trust anybody else. we worry or walk in fear because we don't know what to do in the situation we don't know how to deal with it we don't know how to handle it whether it's someone that you don't get along well with at work or it's um somebody one of the biggest issues that i deal with is when something happens to heather of the girls so they they get sick or something like that, or they hurt themselves. I want to fix it. I want to deal with it. I'm concerned about them, and I want to make it uh, as I want to make it better as quickly as possible for them. And it's just it's just in me. But if I take a step back, that's me walking in fear. I haven't humbled myself. Remember what it says here. Be clothed with humility for God resists the proud and he giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. When we humble ourselves to him, we trust him. I've said that before. When we humble ourselves, we trust him. And when we can trust him, we can take that step back and allow him to do the work. When in the case with Heather and the girls, um, I've taken a lot of first aid in my life. To wh- at one point I had my occupational first aid. Occupational, yeah, it's not called that anymore. But basically, I could do first aid at a at a like a forestry camp in the middle of nowhere, and, and help help somebody before they could get get them out of there. We we're no, if you're no nowhere near a hospital or ambulances or anything like that. So I know a lot about first aid and how to help somebody and all that kind of stuff. But even in that, that's still me trying to take it on to myself to do it myself because I'm fearing that God won't be able to do it better than I can. But the truth is that even at my best, even at the peak of my abilities in any situation, whether it's first aid, whether it's in some crazy situation where I'm trying to deal with it and, and, and figure it out or whatever the case may be, at my best ability to do anything like that, God's ability eclipses mine. Completely eclipses my ability in that situation. So, especially with Heather and the girls, I'll keep with that that example. I physically have to take a step back, physically and mentally. I take a step back and I say, you know what, no, Lord, I humble myself here to you. I trust you. I'm not going to walk in fear and try and fix this myself. I know that you can fix this better than I can fix this. So I submit myself to you. I cast this care upon you because you, you care for me because he doesn't want me in worry. He doesn't want me in fear because that's only just going to shorten my life. That's all it's going to do. Right. It's not going to fix the situation that's in front of you. It's going to shorten your life. It actually says that in the Bible. I can't remember where it is, but it will shorten your life. But I take that step back and I allow the Holy Spirit to work in that situation. I trust him. I can step out of that fear and trust him. And then sometimes he shows me something to do or something to pray or something to say. Whatever the case may be, I'm able to walk through that situation with his wisdom trusting him, not walking in fear. Because it debil- it debil- debilitates you, right? You think about just your, your physical and, and mental response in fear. It's called fight or flight, right? It diminishes your brain's capacity to function when you're walking in fear all the time, when you're walking in w- worry all the time. So if you take that moment to step back and say, no, Lord, you're better at this than I am. I trust you. I submit to you. I'm going to cast this care on you. Help me, Lord. Show me, Lord, what to do in this situation. Amen? I've said this before, but fear is at the root of caring, according to the world. Fear is at the root of caring. It's a distrust in God. So if God is love, which the Bible says... If you don't have love remember the scripture says you do not have a spirit of fear but of love power and sound mind so if you stepped away from that love power and sound mind you're walking in fear yeah. right the, the opposite is also truth. so if you're trying to care for the situation yourself you're stepping out of that love of God and not allowing that love, power, and sound mind to work through you and in you The problem is is that we have been ingrained through this world and the the natural response to a situation a problem a concern is that you care if you're not caring you're not loving that person you're you're not I I know I said this before but we need to understand this there's a big difference here in the world it's a good thing to care it means that you love the person you love the people you're wanting to help them some well not sometimes all the time you it's like getting down in the ditch with somebody for us as born again christians when we decide that we're gonna care for someone instead of step back, trust the Lord and hear him. Instead of putting, if you step back and trust the Lord and hear from him, you stabilize yourself and you're able to step down, grab a hold of that person and help them up out of the ditch. Because you're on stable ground, you're on that firm foundation with Jesus Christ, the chief cornerstone. You're able to stand and get down and help them up and out. When you when you go in the world's way. And you're caring. And you're not hearing God. You're in that fear that God really isn't going to be able to take care of it. You kind of get down. And you nestle yourself right down in the ditch with them. And then you play along with them. In the ditch. And you're like, oh yeah. Yeah, I know. It's just so bad. It's so bad. You're going to be Okay. I know how you feel. Let it all out. Let it all out. Let more than you actually have in there out. (laughs) But if again, when you take that step back and you choose to humble yourself and hear from the Lord, trust Him. Because that's what Biblical humility is, yeah, you you become a servant of the Lord, but it's trusting him. You trust him that he's going to take care of you. He's going to take care of the people around you. He's going to take care of you at your job. He's going to take care of your finances, your health, your family, your friends, your church, your work, everything. It gives you that stable foundation to stand upon and help you. Gloria Copeland says, I've heard her say this a number of times in different um, uh, sermons that that I've listened to. She says that the word of God is more true than the circumstance you're dealing with. The word of God is more true than the circumstance that you're dealing with. Now, that's truth. And that is, a, that is an actual fact. That's an absolute fact of the Bible, that it is the word of God is more true than the circumstance that you're dealing with at this exact moment in time in your life. But what does the Bible say? Why can we trust God? I've been telling you all... Um, I've been telling you the whole time I've been up here that we need to trust God. We need to trust God. But why can we trust God? (laughs) Well, he is faithful, yes. (laughs) There's lots of reasons why we can trust God. But what I'm going to share with you are what really spoke to me when I was Back in 2013, when I was first coming back to the Lord, and the scriptures that really helped me. And, um, yeah. Because we want to be able to humble ourselves before Him and cast those cares and allow Him to do that work. But it's one thing for me to just stand up here and say, you know, trust the Lord. You can trust the Lord but he also, to me, proves it through his word. So let's turn to Hebrews 13. And we're going to look at verses 7 and 8. And I'm going to read it in the Amplified, because it just paints a great picture. Remember your leaders and superiors in authority, for it was they who brought to you the word of God. Observe attentively and consider their manner of living, the outcome of their well-spent lives, and imitate their faith, their conviction that God exists and is the creator and ruler of all things, the provider and bestower of eternal salvation through Christ. And their, their leaning of the entire human personality on God. In absolute trust and confidence in his power, wisdom, and goodness. Jesus Christ, this is verse 8, is always the same. Yesterday, today, and Forever. Jesus is always the same, yesterday, today, and forever. That's why we can, what what the Amplified expounds on in verse 7 here, and lean of our entire human personality on God in absolute trust and confidence in his power, wisdom, and goodness. It brings me great comfort that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What he did for me six years ago was the same that he did for me two years ago, was the same that he did for me two days ago, was the same that he did for me today, and it's the same that he'll do for me tomorrow right? If we put our trust in man in our own abilities, the response you get from one person last week, if you go and do the same thing for that person or have the same interaction with that person today, I guarantee you, you'll get a different response. Because a lot of people, and some Christians even, they live their lives according to their emotions, Right, So they're feeling good when their emotions are up and everything's great. And then when things take a turn, you're not going to get the same response out of them. So you can't trust him. Human beings are not the same yesterday, today, and forever on their own. But when we take that step back and we humble ourselves in the Lord and we trust him because he is the same yesterday today and forever we can trust him because we know that we're going to get the same concrete answer and wisdom yesterday today and forever that's a promise of the word of God that we can walk in It may not make sense in our own minds. Some of the things that he's, I've got the unction to do in certain circumstances in my life. I'm like, really, Lord? But I've said okay, and I've trusted him, and I've watched him work in situations. I don't have to understand it. I have to take a step back, Cast those cares. Humble myself to Him. Trust Him. Because He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Oh, hallelujah! Hallelujah. Matthew twenty-four thirty-five. This is an amazing scripture. Matthew 24, verse 35. Very simple, very straightforward scripture. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. Heaven and earth shall pass away. Everything that we see Right here, in our everyday lives, these buildings, the grounds around here, our homes, where our, our work where our work is, where our dentist is, where we do our grocery shopping, where we go and visit our families, all of that stuff, the skies above, the heavens, all of that is going to pass away. It is going to not exist at some point in time in the future. But... God's word will still exist. It will not pass away. It will never leave us. It will never forsake us. It will always be with us. I know I'm not doing my normal preaching. I'm more teaching and it's a bit different for me. But I want to get this through to you guys. He does not change. His word will not change. It will be the same tomorrow for you. It will be the same the next day for you. Everything around us is going to go away. But his words will not go away. Oh, hallelujah. That's why we can trust him. We can trust his word. We can trust his ability to help us in those situations. Because he isn't moved by his emotions. (laughs) He created emotions. And don't get me wrong. He gave us emotions and we're supposed to enjoy them, but they're not supposed to dictate our lives. They're they're like a bonus. They're like a, a benefit, a, um, a great, a great um, side benefit to living life with him. That we get to enjoy things. We get to have laughter and joy and peace and fun and all those kinds of things. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Okay, let's turn to Hebrews chapter 1. I want to get to verse 8, but as I was reading through it, I thought, hmm, this is all really good, so maybe we'll just start at verse 1 and go for it. So Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. I'm going to read from the uh, King James Version. It says, God, who at sundry times and in divers manners spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, that's Jesus, whom he hath appointed heir of all things. God our Father has appointed Jesus heir of all things. Heir means he has authority over all things, by whom also he made the worlds. Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high, being made so much better than the angels as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. Mm. For unto which of the angels said he at any time, thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee, and again I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. Basically, in plain English, that's saying, so which angels actually said that Jesus is going to be my son, this day have I begotten him, and that I will be to him a father, and he shall be a son to me. And then in verse 6, it says, And again, when he bringeth in the first begotten, begotten of the world, he saith, and let all the angels of God worship him, for he will be above the angels. And of the angels, he said, Who maketh his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire? But unto the Son, he said, Thy throne, Jesus' throne, your throne, Son, Is forever and ever a Scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom Jesus's throne is forever and ever Jesus's throne is forever and ever He's not going to be taken down off of it Nobody's going to knock him out of his place There isn't going to be a coup in heaven. (laughs) Jesus' throne is forever and ever. Just like he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He will sit on the throne forever. Heaven and earth will pass away, but he won't. He's going to sit on his throne forever and ever. He's not going to move from his throne forever and ever. He will always be there forever and ever. John 1.1 says that... Let me just read it so I don't quote it wrong. You guys stay there in Hebrews. In the beginning was the word and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Remember, the Word shall not pass away. Heaven and earth will pass away, but the Word, His throne, Jesus, will not pass away. And He was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And if you jump down to verse 14, it says, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus, the Word of God, the entire Word of God encapsulated in one person Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior who will never pass away who will be the same yesterday today and forever who will sit on his throne forever and ever never changing always the same you can get the same response from him yesterday today and forever that's why we can take that step back We can trust in him. We can humble ourselves. We can cast those cares. We don't have to be in fear because he is the same forever and ever. Mm. Revelation 3, when we turn there. At first, I was just going to talk about verse 21 here. But you have to talk about verse 20. Yeah. <laughs> you have to talk about verse 20. Revelu- Revelation chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. Behold, this is Jesus talking. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. So he's knocking at your door. One of the ways that we let him in is we choose not to fear. We take that step back. We choose to humble ourselves and trust him and cast our cares. That's letting him in. That he's knocking. Hello, anybody home? We need to come to the door and let him in. Cast that care upon him. Let him dine with us. Let him sup with us. Let him be with us. Let him take that care. Because he wants to. He wants to take it. It's not like he's sitting there humming and hawing on whether he's going to or not. He is going to, he wants to take that care. We have to make the choice To take that step back, humble ourselves, trust him, and give that care to him. Amen? Verse 21. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame. He's overcome. He's overcome everything. Notice it doesn't put a caveat on what he's overcome. There's no limit to what he has overcome. The day he died on the cross and was ro- raised again, he overcame everything. He overcame that person at work that's giving you a lot of grief. He overcame your brother or your sister that you just don't know what to do with because they seem like they're crazy. He's over... Yeah. <laughs> He's overcome he <laughs> <laughs> he's overcome every situation that you can think up in your own mind. The day he went to the cross, he paid for it all. He dealt with it all at that very moment. And he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's going to be sitting on his throne forever. His word, he will not pass away forever. And he's overcome everything. So we can trust in him. We can trust in him. Okay. One last scripture. This is all the way back in Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 7. And this is a prophecy about Jesus. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth ever, forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. That paints an amazing picture of our Lord and Savior. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Right? He's going to sit on his throne forever and ever. He's going to have the government on his shoulders forever and ever. He's going to take care of it forever and ever, if we let him. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth forever and ever. He's going to take care of those situations. He's going to take care of your fear if you let him. And we can trust him because he's the same yesterday, today and forever. We can humble ourselves, take that step back, trust him, cast those cares, that fear on him because we can trust him and let him do that work through us. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen.
2: Amen. Well, Anne is getting ready. Just a reminder: the coffee is still on. There's tea, and feel free to keep the coffee running. And uh, we're going to keep going here. And and I just want to encourage you about the completeness we've been talking about. You are complete in Him who is the head, even Christ. When we're born again, that completeness comes inside. And sometimes when we're learning or we're hearing the word, we think, well, we're layering and we're receiving information on top of one another. But hearing waters the seed that you've heard. So sometimes it takes more water for that seed to grow. And it opens up the seed that's been planted in your heart, which is the word of God. So as the water hearing comes, hearing works like water. waters the seed that's been planted and it comes alive. One of the things that I I I've shared lots of parts of my testimony because I've had all kinds of things happen in my life and I'm grateful for it and I love the way God has used those things and in some of what Pastor Neil has said I had to learn not to care wrong because it carried a wrong burden when I w- I I was absolutely 100% born again I believed in Jesus but I was living in fear because of some of the things I had done in my past because of mistakes I had made and so when we had our first child and I was holding her she was so precious and so cute and so little and she slept all the time which was probably why we had two more um, <laughs> I thought they all did that <laughs> you know three weeks old sleeping through the night 12 hours <gasps> like I just thought that was normal <laughs> I soon discovered that that is not um, how every child works and but but I remember th- was I, I Everything was fine. I'd go to sleep. I had her beside the bed. I'd listen. I thought maybe because of mistakes I'd made in my life, something terrible would happen and she would die. And and I didn't tell anybody except for God. God, I'm so afraid, I'd say. God, I'm so afraid. I'm so afraid my mistakes are going to be lived out in her generation. I'm so afraid she's so precious that something would happen and she would die. I lived like that every day. And it was terrible way to live and uh, did I know scriptures I was trying to trying to layer them into my life to get rid of it and it didn't work and so I got myself up and often we were living in Port Hardy at the time and we had a wonderful pastor there but my husband was gone like he was on this crazy shift because he was the young guy he was working seven days a week and 12 hour shifts and he'd come home and so he often wasn't there I didn't want to go to church by myself you know and so finally, I thought that's it. And he happened to be home that Sunday, and I broke out in hives. I was so full of fear. And so he's standing up, holding the baby, and and you know I said, "Give her the baby, let her sit down and look right." You know, and it's like, "No, no, no." And he'd stand up, and he was holding the baby, and they start giving this altar call, and I'm thinking, oh, I don't want to go. Literally, I know people look at me today, and they think, "Oh, that would never be you." I was shaking, covered in hives from fear. And the next thing I know, I was running to the altar and God healed me and delivered me from fear. And I've learned how to care right. And I knew the scriptures came alive in me that day I heard the word. And so it wasn't about layering. I'd read all the scriptures about fear. I'd memorized most of them because I'm pretty good at memorizing things. But it was when the word got revealed and lifted me I could receive the ministry that came alongside. And, you know, she's 37. <laughs> so she obviously lived. And uh, and then another time when the devil tried to attack her, a couple of more times in her life, the devil's tried to kill that particular girl several times. And she has lived through all of it. Lived through all of it. Amen? Yeah. You can be delivered of fear, live strong, and know the word of God will work.
0: Amen? Thank you, thank you. Uh, you can turn to uh, First John. Uh, First John. Uh, no, it's not First John. It is First John. First John four. I'm going to start start there. And I'm going to jump around. Uh, and I'm going to be reading from the Amplified Classic. If that's in your app. Don't read the other Amplified. I was reading it one day, and I'm like, this is not what it's supposed to be. And I realized they changed the app. And so I'm like, I found my beloved Amplified Classic, A-M-P-C, on the app. Hallelujah. (laughs) Uh, I'm just going to start, I'm going to read in the Amplified Classic, in, in verse 18, it says, there is no fear in love. Dread does not exist, but full-grown, complete, perfect love turns fear out of the doors and expels every trace of terror. For fear brings with it the thought of punishment. And so he who is afraid has not reached full maturity of love, is not yet grown into love's complete perfection. Now, this past week at an incident at school someone did something wrong and someone comes running they always come running to me so, <laughs> working on solving problems independently but this was a problem where they should have come run to me and so they came in, ran uh, they came around to me so-and so did such and such and you know usually when they come running I'm trying to look for the them and guess what they do they run they hide. It happened with the first two people on the earth. They ran and they hid. <laughs> they put on they put leaves all over their body. It said they were what they did something wrong, and then right away they realized, "Uh oh!" Have you ever done that? i you know you sinned or you did something wrong. You're like, "Uh oh!" Run and hide. <laughs> and they ran and hid. And the irony of it all is, you can't hide from God. <laughs> And you can't hide from the teacher because I'm going to keep on looking. <laughs> so, but they run ahead and, and, you know, and, and, and out of the mouth of Adam and Eve, we were afraid and we hid. And out of the mouth of this one little boy, I was afraid. I ran and hid. I'm kind of scared. Something happened. And so in sin is Fear. They're tied together. We hear, we read here in First John 4, 18, that there's a fear of punishment. And that's what Adam, like, like Adam and Eve. They had done nothing wrong. They had done nothing wrong, and they have no record of God punishing. Why is it wow. that all of a sudden in it they did that? They ran and hid, and they were afraid. They were afraid of what God would do. They were afraid of punishment. They had not seen that before. My students had seen that before. <laughs> but every little kid has probably seen it before. <laughs> they tell you all about what mom and dad do at home. <laughs> and, you know, and what happens, at, you know, at school. It's not a spanking, but I can make it hurt you can you can do an apology card instead of enjoying playing so you can make it make it hurt i can make it hurt but they were afraid and they they didn't there was this response in sin that was innately there it's there it's it's always there with sin is this fear of punishment a fear of what's going to happen and so we think about like if we think about the little things Like, be anxious for nothing. Like, there's little, we talk about these different words, like anxiety, worry, fear. And in it, there seems to be this extreme, like, oh, fear? Extreme. little anxiety. A little worry. Little. But it's all the same thing. Sin is sin is sin. Fear is fear is fear. No matter little, no matter big, no matter medium. It's all the same, and so they're tied together. But the little things, like I can't pay my rent. I can't, I'm like, I'm not paying rent, I'm paying a mortgage, and I'm not worried about paying my mortgage. I'm not fearful, but this is a real reality of some people out there, I can't pay this bill. What is their, they're afraid, they can't pay the bill. Afraid of punishment, what's gonna happen if I don't pay this bill. could get kicked out. Maybe this is the last time. Maybe, you know, like, like, oh no, I have this other payment that I have to make, all these things. I'm going to be in trouble. And because there's real consequences for those kinds of things. But they're afraid of punishment, afraid of what's going to happen if they can't do something. Can't pay my groceries. Or this thing happened at work. What if I get fired? So, the all these things are, and and there's something that goes wrong, and we're afraid and scared of what could happen, and what, you know, what will others will do to us, what will happen, how another will think about us, punishment. They're gonna think something terrible about you. Guess what? They've done it before, and they'll do it again going to happen. Someone's not going to like you. And they're not, and other, someone else is not going to like you too. But there's other people that do like you. And the great thing is, is you go to them, <laughs> the people that like you and the people that love you will are the ones that are going to tell you the truth, even when you don't like it. So get, don't go with just those ones who like you, but the ones that love you. So perfect love cast out fear because fear has torment and the torment is that fear of punishment, that what's going to happen to me? Now, the great thing is that Jesus is seated on the throne because he did his job. He did his job when he came here on the earth. He came to the earth. We're all here. We're all Christians. We all believe in Jesus. We all know what he did. We all received him as our savior. We know what he did, and he did for us. And so, let's go uh and, and we heard that in in the scripture that pastor neil said that if we invite it's not he's not just knocking at your door of your house that's not what it was what is it it's knocking at the door of your heart right he's knocking at your door and be to be invited in and so if you invite him in he's there and so he's there And we heard he's the word, and we've heard that he is love. God is love. And so if we're reading in verse 18, there is no fear in love. Because perfect love casts out all fear. So if Jesus is in our heart, he should therefore be in there, and fear cannot be. But somehow it gets in. It gets in somewhere. It gets in our mind. And we start to dwell, and we start to think. We say, oh, what about that? What about this? What if, what, you know, those kinds of things. When I was living in New York, I got in a terrible, terrible mess. It was good, and then it was bad. And (laughs) and, And part of it was, was not hearing and listening carefully to God's instructions about how long I should have been there. And then I got into a mess where, Pastor Neil's talking about, I was caring about what's going on, caring about how people uh, thought of me, trying to fix it myself. And wouldn't you know, the problem just got worse and worse and worse. And it, things that were not my fault, I looked really bad in every situation. And then you're like, okay, I'll try to fix it and things would be okay for a bit. And then something else happened. And oh no, I didn't do anything wrong. But again, yet again, I looked bad. And for a principal who was looking for a way to fire me, you know, she had all these things. And I was just so afraid and so upset and so hurt. But I was like, I had all these what if questions in my head. Well, what if this? What if that? What if my husband is here in New York? He wasn't. What if, you know, like, like, and (laughs) And I totally got into this cycle until I just left. And it was a mess that I left. And I ran and hid. I ran and came home. But the great thing is, is God restored me. It's a wonderful thing that he restored me. And I, I was in a meeting with my principal last year. With, and she's like, I really trust you. I know that you're doing well. I know that, like, she was just like, and I was just like, that we had come to this place where you can do everything wrong. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. He can still fix things way better than you ever could. And so if you're in the moment and in a mess, it's not doing it yourself like Pastor Neil said. It's allowing him to fix it. And you just do what God says to do. And you will be in a better place. But I was so fearful, and it took a lot, like, it took stopping trying to fix my mess and look to him. And stop meddling in my life and look to him. Because the person, you can meddle in people's lives, but the best person you can meddle in is your own is your own life and you can try to fix things and do things yourself and it's just not going to go well for you if you try to fix this try to fix that relationship try to do this oh i should do that oh i should do this oh they don't really like me i don't like really like people not liking me but guess what people didn't like jesus and if you have jesus in your heart people are not going to like you cuz they don't like jesus it's just the way it is and there's different personalities and different things, but there's always with billions of people in the world, there's someone for you. Right. This is a great place. We're all very different people, but we're not really kind of concerned about, you know, getting along cuz if you get along this way, you're going to get along this way. That's right. And <laughs> Hallelujah. But in it, I realized (laughs) one of the when I I came back here, I came back to Celebration Life Church. Yay. You know, where the place where when I was a teenager, I would always go to altar, always pray, always cry like millions of tears, got through high school, praise Jesus. (laughs) And come here. Same thing. But anyway. (laughs) But I got through. Uh, one of the first messages I, re- I I shared was a flip it over message because I ta- I talked uh, I talked about this uh, a, a coin and God's word tells us in Deuteronomy 28 that we're the head and we're not the tail we're above and not beneath and I saw this this coin the coin has heads and tails it has it and when the coin is, on the table, or on the floor, or on anywhere, only one can be face up at, the sa- at, at, at once. So we've got the heads, and we've got the tails. And the tails can just always be down. And you can always be having the head side facing up. And I talked about how faith, we have faith is substance. We have this, faith is the substance of things that we hope for, the evidence of things unseen. And so when we're thinking about fear, fear is the substance of things unseen. You're worrying about something. You're fearing something that could happen. A punishment that could happen that might never happen. You know, if I go to my workplace and I fess up that I did this mistake, they're going to fire me. But you don't know that. You don't know what's going to happen. You're here. You're away from the situation. Maybe the boss is having a good day and feels like, oh, it's okay today. Maybe the boss is having a bad day. Oh, you're fired today. Well, you don't know. You don't know what's going to happen. Maybe they'll be gracious. Maybe there will be a miracle. Maybe something will happen. But you don't know. You don't know what's going to happen. But you have some sort of substance. And we see Job, He. We, that's where we get this, the, the saying, that, that which we greatly fear comes upon us. And wow, he had a lot of things go wrong. And then he had a lot of things go wrong for a lot of chapters until he figured it out at the end. But we, can, we don't have to go through a lot of chapters of our life in a lot of years and then figure it out at the end. We don't have to do that. Not at all. We can make a change. And what I really talked about is that we can have our, our faith coin face up or face down so we have you know we're in fear because we the perfect love cast out all fear they can't they're completely opposite completely separate you can't have both you can't have one and a little bit of the other there's no mix either love and faith is up or it's down and you're in fear what it's one or the other and then in this world where we talk about you know there's oh it was a white lie was a little bit wrong, but it wasn't that, you know, it was just to make them feel better. In a world where we have a lot of compromise, that's a compromise. Have a little bit of fear, there's no faith. And the freeing thing is, is how I talked about, it's just a matter of flipping, just as we flip over a coin, which is super easy. It's the same thing for fear and faith. You can flip over. You can just flip it over. But it's not that easy. I need to, I need to go to the, someone and talk about it. To go, maybe I need some medication. I mean, don't take, stop taking your medication. I'm not saying that. But we, ha- we know someone who lives on the inside of us, who's sitting on a throne whom we can trust more than a counselor. He's the counselor. He's the one. He's the one that knows it all. He's the one we can talk to. But we decide to run to someone else first. We run away in fear. We hide. We go find another answer, another solution, another medication, another this, another friend that you know, pets us and help makes us feel better, but it doesn't fix the problem. Yeah. doesn't fix the problem. You need more than a bandit. You want it fixed completely. So we can just flip it over. Yes, we can. You can flip it over, but, but it's so hard. Well, it, c- it can't be hard because we see throughout the Bible, fear not, be anxious for nothing. Don't fear, I am with you. All these scriptures that says, "Don't fear." God would never tell you to do something that you couldn't do. Oh, he's not mean. He's te- He's gonna tell you things that you can do, and you can do it with Him. You can do it with Him. To know and trust, like Pastor Neil said, humble. And know that he's the one that can fix it. He's the one that actually has already fixed it. He did it all. He did it all in the cross when he said it was finished. It was finished for you too. Right then. So it's a choice. It's a choice to fear. It's a choice to choose and believe in Jesus. It's a choice to choose and trust him. It's a choice to choose his word. And it's... It can be difficult when you allow lots of little fears in. But if you love God, perfect love casts out all fear. He's on the inside of you. He enables you and empowers you to be able not to fear. When you know and trust that that love is on the inside of you and that love is flowing out of you, that fear can't be there. It can't continue. It can't grow. It has to stop because it can't be there. And I was really thinking about this, 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 and it's so powerful. And I, and I still think about the, the ease of just flipping over the coin. But the fact of the matter is, in this example, that means that the fear is still there. It's just under. But there's an ability to not have it even under, but have it not around you. And you don't have to keep on flipping over and over and over again. Oh, fix, 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 fix. No. That you can stay in love, walk in love, be in love, and not move into fear. Because if we go back to this punishment piece, are we getting punished? Are we, after all this is done, are we getting punished? No. In fact, he doesn't remember your sin. He doesn't even remember. How can you get punished for something that God doesn't even, the person that, that's going to punish you doesn't even remember? <laughs> you know, I, I forget things. Like, I'm like, oh, no, I was supposed to talk to so-and-so, and they were supposed to miss five minutes of choice time. Oh, I forgot. Oh, well. Well, grace <laughs> to them and mercy. <laughs> they get more time to play. I, you know, a lot. To, this is God. He remembers everything, but he chooses to forget Because Jesus took the punishment. Jesus took the punishment for us. So that we didn't have to have that punishment. Why are we afraid of it? Why are we afraid of it? It should not be anywhere in our life. Fear of punishment. Not touching us. It's not touching us. And when we fear. We're allowing the idea of it. Fear of punishment to touch us, but it can't. Cause God settled. He knows. He knows what's up. He knows what the end is. He knows the end from the beginning. He's the same yesterday and today forever as we heard. He knows. How come we don't? How come we don't? Hmm. Anyway. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Perfect loved casts out all fear. Let's go to, we're going to just jump up a little bit. And we're going to stay in 1 John 4. And. Year of God, little children. This is in verse 4. Are you his child? Yeah. You have Jesus in your heart? You prayed the prayer of salvation or you just knew that you knew that you knew that you're saved? Little child, you. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. 1 John 4. 1 John 4, 4. Sorry about that. Year of God, little children, and have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. There's no punishment greater than the punishment for sin, but you do not receive that punishment. They are of the world, therefore, they speak of the world. And the world hears them. We are of God, and he that knoweth God heareth us, and he that is not of God heareth us not. Uh, heareth not us. Hereby know we are the Spirit of Truth. Uh, we know the Spirit of Truth and the Spirit of Error. It's just talking about the world and us. If you become born again, you're not of the world. Jesus overcame the world. He said, be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. But we're not of the world. So this is is a great spot to come back and remind yourself how to interact with other non-believers. You know, know, they're not going to think like you. They're not going to talk like you. They're not going to tell you the answer. You need to go to him. You need to go to Jesus. And it might be coming through someone who is also a believer filled with the Holy Spirit. It, you might get an instruction from, uh, from God yourself. Any of these ways, you know, there's different ways that God speaks. But you can get access him yourself. You don't have to hear a word and you don't have to hear prophecy. He can talk to you. You don't have to, you know, you just keep going and he will, if you're open, you can hear him. So good. That he is always talking. Always speaking. We are of God, that, uh, and He that knoweth, knoweth God, heareth us. So we hear other people that know God. We know they're saying, and and you're like, ooh, look at what they're saying. Oh, that's great. We had Pastor Delson come and and pray with us last night. He's he has another church came and prayed with us, but same Spirit. Know him. Just like you know, he ha- we ha- I hadn't seen him in years, but it's like click. You know him same spirit. A stranger. I've talked to people that are strangers. But they're not. They're my family. And I met them. I talked to them and just click. Same spirit. And so there's people that are pretending to believe believers. And they have put on a show, but they don't have Jesus in their heart. And when you go, not same spirit, you know that you know you that you know someone needs to go pray. But don't share your deepest, deepest desires and, and things that you're thinking about and what God has shown you to those people. Same spirit, go to them. Right. Go to them. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. If you know him, you'll love him, and you love other people and it will be easy, and it will be natural when you have God on the inside you of you to love for other people. And we heard this morning about care and caring for others. Sometimes love is saying something that someone doesn't want to hear. I, ha- I have received those words. And I have been upset. And angered or oomphed by those words. But I knew the person. I knew they loved me. And I knew they cared for me. And I knew they wanted God's best for me. And I knew what they were saying was the truth. Even when it was ugly and hard. And I had to face that I did something wrong. I needed to to talk to God about it. Fix it in the sense that go to him. And deal with that. And I was so much happier for it. <laughs> it's the harder thing is, is the, and that's the thing that I just, you know, don't be afraid to tell someone you love something hard. Because if you can't, you don't really love them. And you know what? The fear of punishment. What if they leave me? What if they, oh, their family. What if they, you know, they never speak to me again? What if a friend, what if, you know, well then, too bad. They need to hear what God has told you to tell them. I mean, don't say anything if you, you know, maybe it's a prayer situation where someone, you you get in your spirit that this is going on in someone's life. Pray about what to do maybe you're supposed to talk to them maybe you're not maybe you're supposed to just pray not gossip about it you know like pray and then get god's wisdom for the for what to do but if he's showing you something you have a part you have a part to play in it and he'll sh- if he showed you he'll show you what to do so let us love one another for love is of god and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. And we have a world, and this is, it, it's in fear. They want their their definition of different things, That that love is about who you sleep with. It's not that. Love is not about that. Love is a person. Love is Jesus going to the cross. That's what love is. That's what love is. Pretty ugly thing, but took our punishment for us. Praise Jesus. We don't have to fear punishment. And the church has gone ways because they know sin is wrong. Sin is wrong. But it's not our job to convict convict people and tell them what they're doing is wrong. Our job is to live a sinless holy life and show them the way. Because when I've told people you're wrong, it didn't go very well. You're wrong. I'm right. Not going to help people. Not going to help people at all. We need to show them. Just show them. What is love? Love is not talking meanly about to other people and yelling at them and telling them they're bad. Telling them that they're a horrible people. They're going to die and go to hell. Yeah, that message works sometimes. But I responded to God because he loved me. I responded. God did this for you. He loves you. I mean, it's simple message when you're five. It doesn't take a whole lot. Jesus went to the cross for He loves you. Do you want to ask Jesus in your heart? Yeah, He loves me. Sure. Yeah. Easy. Because He loved me. This is the ma- this was the manifestation of the love of God towards us. Because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we may, might live through him. Here in his love, not that we, welcomed God, we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his only son to be the propitiation of our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought, also ought to love one another. And I think this is where we get kind of, here's the hitch. We either love or we don't. (laughs) That love is always present. I'd rather love than fear. He tells us not to fear. So we can not fear. And we can love. We can love even the ones we don't like too much. (laughs) And it's where we're looking, I think, really. If you look at what Jesus did on the cross for us, even when we were at our very worst and he died for us, surely I can talk nicely to that person over there. Surely I can pray for them. Surely I can forgive. Like I talked about this week to my students. We don't forgive because someone says sorry. We forgive because Jesus forgave us. We start to do that. We don't love because someone loves us. We love because he loves us, it's not a barter system. I'll give a little bit of love, and I'll get you know, you get you get a little bit of love. Yeah. This is something we need to do in kindergarten. <laughs> but there's adults. <laughs> Sometimes I'll go. <gasps> I'm not going to say a thing. (laughs) I've seen that somewhere else. (laughs) Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwell in us, and his love is perfected in us. How can we fear? How can we fear? when his love is perfected in us. Hereby, we know that we dwell in him. Do you know that you dwell in him? I hope you do. It says it here, I believe it. That's the truth. And he and us, do you know that he lives in you? Yeah. Do you believe that he does? Do you trust that he does? Yeah. Hmm. Because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and do testify the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. So those ones that are having a hard time, that are not definitely not showing love, that are out struggling in the world, the people that are criticizing or killing Christians, Jesus died for them. Jesus died for them. He died for you. We should be treating people differently and we've seen him do okay and whosoever in verse 15 whosoever shall confess that jesus is the son of, son of god god dwelleth in him and he in god how can fear be there it cannot it has to go yeah. do you believe these words that are said here we need to believe them. The church does not believe them. That's why we're seeing what we're seeing. That's why we might be feeling what we're feeling. Is that we haven't completely come to this place where we believe it. Yeah, yeah. That we believe it. Whosoever. And that says, um, and we have known and believe the love of God hath to us. God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because he is, so are we in this world. We have boldness. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to fear the punishment. We have boldness knowing that Jesus took the punishment. That we're in God, and God is in us. And that there is We are his people. We are his little children. We are his children. Nothing can touch us. Nothing can touch us. Oh, but something does. Well, keep, fine, believe that. Sure. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear has torment. And he that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. If a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this is the commandment which we from him, that he who loveth God, loveth his brother also. We're going to hear more of this today. There's lots of information in the Bible to help us with fear. There's lots there. Because God doesn't want us to fear. He loves us. He cares for us. If we go, let's go to Philippians 4. verse six, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Be careful for nothing. We don't have to be worried or anxious about nothing, anything, a, not a thing. Everything, prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let our requests be made known. We don't have to be fearful. We can go to a God that has forgiven us. We can talk to him. We can ask him. We don't have to beg. We don't have to be beggars. We're his little children. He loves us. We love him. We don't have to care about anything. We don't have to worry about everything. He takes care of us. But in prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. We love him. We know know he'll do what he says he'll do. And here we're thanking him for it. We just stay in love and be thankful Fear can't touch us. Fear can't get in. Can't. How do I know this? Let's all stand up. How do I know this? Let's all stand up. Let's all stand up. Let's all raise our hands. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for what you did for me, that you sent your only son for me. And you can use your voice. You can thank him right now. Thank you, God, that you saved me. Thank you, God, that you loved me. Thank you, God, that you sent Jesus to die for me, that Jesus loved us so much. He loved us so much that he took all the punishment on him. He took all the the sickness on him. He took everything on him. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, for all that you have done for me, that I'm in you, that you're in me, that you love me and I can love you. And I can love you because you loved me first. And I can forgive because you forgave me first. Oh, hallelujah, I thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord. What are you thankful for? Thank you, God, you can shout it out, I thank you. Thank you, God, that you put me in the place that you did. Thank you, God, for the friends I've had that said, had spoken words of encouragement, words that I didn't want to hear, but I heard them. And you helped me, and you gave me your wisdom, and you helped me to grow. You restored me. Oh, I thank you, Lord, that you restored me. When things looked so grim, I thank you, Lord, that you brought me to a place that was better than I even thought it could be. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord thank you lord oh glory oh hallelujah let's give him a shout Woohoo! thank you lord oh hallelujah you're so good oh he's so great he gave me the fruit of the spirit you gave your spirit to me so that i can flow in those gifts oh hallelujah that i don't have to fear but i can walk by faith that I can do it all the time, every day. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, I thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Yes. How can fear yes. be there? I don't know. Fear's not here. Again. We just need to do this in our homes yes. and in our cars. And it will be better for you.
2: <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah.
0: Praise the Lord. Well, we're going to have one
2: more message this morning. Pastor Jason, if you want to get ready. And uh, like I said, and then after that, after Pastor Jason, we'll have our lunch break and and then after and I'll bring a few more words and then we're going to have a time where you can ask questions. So if you've got them, hold them up and get them ready Uh, as as he's getting ready. I want to encourage you there. When Ann talked about running and hiding, uh, there's also a place where fear tries to put on a mask as they put on their the leaves to cover themselves so they didn't just hide but but you know he's going where are you there was a place where they masked themselves and uh, several years ago and I was in California with the uh, uh, ministering and Doreen was with me in that particular trip we were ministering in a church and there's a lady and she's so pretty I mean just a beautiful beautiful lady but she was always masking herself and brought others she was a wonderful woman brought others to the church brought you know her friends and when there was a prayer line she was bringing up people she would encouraged them etc etc and at one point while I was ministering the Lord uh, one of the days he said her <laughs> like We'll pray for you, your friend. Come here and 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 began to pray for her and minister to what she had covered. And there was a, a terrible grief that had been in her life that she hadn't shared. And that grief paralyzed her. And she really, as a person, wasn't moving on. But it looked like she was because everything else was so good. So that mask, and that day that mask came off. Because that mask was there, even though people invited her, she she was single. She was getting older, and you know, kind of thing like that. When that mask came off, she's now married happily. Things are going along. God ministered to her. So these things, the word is important. It goes in, and and as I said, it's coming in like water, watering the seed that's in your heart, so that mask hiding all that can end. Pastor Jason, come on. <laughs> I know when he ever he brings the word, it's an opportunity for uh, fresh, and a little removal of this and that.
3: I think that's a good thing. I think it's a good thing. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, I'm going to start down a little bit of a different path today. And I'm sure everyone here will be okay with that. If not, well. <laughs> I was thinking... Um, I've spent a, a bit of time in prayer recently concerning these meetings and um, concerning, you know, what particularly I would be able to share today. And I realized certain things concerning how I personally would deal with, with fear. And so I'm going to share a little bit about that today. Um, I'm also going to talk a little bit about my life personally. So this... It may not seem as much teaching as it will with testimony and exhortation. And so we're going we're gonna to start down that path today. Um, when I was praying about it, I actually spent much time praying for uh, people who would be here not just today, but also tomorrow and Sunday night. And in that time of prayer, I really began to sense some things that people carry weights a whole lot. And so some of the messages messages we've already heard today have been very helpful because talking about throwing those cares over onto the Lord because he cares for you so that you don't have to carry them. We've been hearing um, uh, about how we don't need to be afraid of punishment because, because Jesus has taken our sin away, and we can stand clean in his presence and without any sense of fear or shame or anything like that or condemnation whatsoever. And that that is a freeing place to be in, a place of confidence. And so I would like to talk a little bit about that place that we can be in, every single one of us, where we can be in a place where we don't have, we can enter God's presence without any sense of fear. Right? Um, Actually, why don't we start with that, and then we'll, we'll, we'll go from there. So let's go to Hebrews chapter 10 first. Hebrews chapter 10. And let's start in verse 14. This is the uh, Amplified Classic. (laughs) just in case you were wondering for by a single offering he has forever completely cleansed and perfected those who are consecrated and made holy let's just pause for a moment here you realize he's talking about you and i when he says forever completely cleansed and perfected those who are consecrated and made holy that language is talking about you and I. Consecrated, made holy, perfected in the eyes of God. That, that's, he's talking about you and I. Goes on to say, And also the Holy Spirit adds his testimony to us. Amplified adds in here, In confirmation of this. So not only is this true, But the Holy Spirit himself confirms that it is. For having said... Now, he's going to begin here to quote from Jeremiah 31, 33, and 34. says this, This is the agreement or the testament or covenant that I will set up and conclude with them after those days, says the Lord. I will imprint my laws upon their hearts, and I will inscribe them on their minds. And then he goes on to say, And their sins and their law-breaking I will remember no more. Also, very good news. Amen. Now, where there is absolute remission, remission is to totally, you know, if, you've, uh, if you get a bill in the mail, the old school way, they will actually say, like, remit this amount, which means to pay the debt that you owe. And once it's paid, the debt is removed. Well, this is what he's saying. Jesus has paid our sin debt and has removed it forever. Hallelujah. We no longer have a sin debt towards God. We don't owe him anything. That in itself sometimes is difficult for people to grasp because when you come to realize how good God is and all that he has done for us and given us, there's this, well, I owe him something in return. Well, I've got to live up to that somehow. And even in that, there's a consciousness of your unworthiness or sin. And that can keep us out of God's presence. That can keep us out of his plan. When we have that kind of a mentality, but he's saying here that he has remitted now where there is absolutely remission of these sins of these, there is no longer any offering made to atone for sin. In other words, it's, it's done. There's nothing left for you to make up for. He didn't pay 98% of your debt. Now you got to carry the 2%. (laughs) and somehow make it up to God. Well God, you did this for me. I guess you know you've I have my burden to carry and so I'll carry that in payment unto you. I'd be to show you that I'm grateful for the 98% that you paid for. That that's not Christianity. That's not what he's saying here. You might feel in your life like there's still a percentage that you struggle with. That you have to labor and be burdened under carrying the load of your own personal weaknesses and inabilities to measure up to the standard of God. And may struggle with that and think, well, that's just my cross to bear. But that's not what the Bible is telling us. Now, our own personal experience may feel that way, but our feelings aren't truth. The Bible is truth. What the Spirit of God is telling us in our heart is truth. He's saying here that there's no longer any other sacrifice for sin. Go on to verse 19. Therefore, brethren, since we have full freedom and confidence to enter into the Holy of Holies, Amplified adds in Holy of Holies, the holiest place in the blood of Jesus, by this fresh or new and living way, which he initiated and dedicated and opened for us, that is through his flesh. Sorry, I missed a little part here. Opened for us through the separating curtain, that is through his flesh. And since we have such a great and wonderful and noble priest over the house of God, let us all come forward and draw near with true hearts, in unqualified assurance and absolute conviction engendered by faith, having our hearts sprinkled and purified from a guilty conscience and our bodies cleansed with pure water he's talking about being able to come into the presence of god confidently without fear you know much of what we've been talking about so far Typically, you know, when I was thinking about what are we going to talk about for, you know, a no fear meeting, what am I going to talk about and how to deal with fear and and things like that and the reasons why. And we've done something like this. Was it one or two, two, two years ago? I took some time to let what causes fear. But you know what? That was not on my heart to talk about today because I realized that in, in a lot of ways, we've been trained by the world and the world system to fear God in the wrong way to be afraid of him. And really, he's the last person we should be afraid of. It's true. We shouldn't have any fear anyway. But if we were, he should be the last person we were afraid of. And so sometimes there's a place in our lives where we get this kind of There's a mentality that happens in Christianity sometimes where there's this tension between my need and having my need met versus how much of my life will I actually give God. And there's a tension that happens sometimes in Christianity because the believer knows that they need God to help them. But they wonder... What will happen if I really give it all over to him? And that wondering is a fear-related thing. What if I give him everything? What will happen to my life? And so there's a bit of a drawback. There's a bit of a hesitancy to move forward in God. It's true. You're nodding your heads and kind of chuckling to yourself because you know that some people have been able to move past that, some have not. Well, yeah. I'm just going to stop for a moment. Can I just can someone pass me my water? I drank a lot of coffee and tea this morning, so I need a little bit of water here. Thank you. One thing you'll know about me, or if you don't already, I like to talk about things that matter to the heart. (laughs) You know, when I was a a young Christian, I was very zealous. (laughs) I had had actually a lot of biblical knowledge, but uh, not a whole lot of wisdom. And I was very zealous, so much so that we had a youth group. But the way I wanted to do this youth group was, we are not playing games in this youth group. We are serious about the things of God. We are not playing games. And although my method and my attitude about it may have been a little bit overly zealous, uh, it was effective to a certain point. So I've matured a little bit since then. And so... (laughs) You know, I know how to bring that out a little bit better without being so, "Mm, this is what we're going to do whether you like it or not. So let me share my heart with you nonetheless, yes? I do like to talk about the things that matter to the most because uh, I've sat around in church circles for long enough to know that there's a lot of things that we do to pacify our conscience. So that was a little sharp, but I know you know what I mean. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <It's okay. laughs> come on you know exactly what i'm talking about yes. <laughs> i've been in the car where the, where the parents fight on the way to church only to sit and smile through the service to make sure everything looks okay and then check the box at the, after the end of the service like we went to church everything's good <laughs> no i'm the only one huh? okay you are the only one so oh put the cap off <laughs> And so because of that, I like to, you know, God has dealt with me uh, in such a way that it's like my desire is I want the real thing. I don't know about you, but I want the real thing. I don't want to play around. Life's too short to play around. And one day I'm going to stand before him. So uh, with that in mind, I think I'll get down to the things that matter to him and not waste my time playing church. Yes. I, I sense in your heart that you have an agreement with that. Yes. And so there is a place in believers where there's this tension between having your needs met. And yet, what is that going to cost me? What can I really give my life to God? So what that looks like is this. What that looks like is I have a need. And I recognize only God can meet that need so i will come as close to him as i can to get that need met but i don't know if i want to go any further because then that might cost me something i like or that i want it's true right and the reason why we think like that is if you do the reason why we think like that is because we don't know God very well. He's the last person that we should resist. He's the last person we should be concerned about what his intentions are for us. He's the last person that we should think that, hey, if I just let him have his way in my life, I don't know what's going to happen. He's the last person we should be suspicious about. You know, in the world... There's lots to be suspicious about. In fact, there are schools of thought in the world that teach you to keep yourself guarded. That teach you that you look out for number 1. That teach you that, you know, trust is to be earned. That teach you that, you know, you need to be very careful with what you do because you don't know what's going to happen to you out there. It's not a safe environment for you to live in. And, you know, you got to be careful because there's risk involved in life. You could make the wrong decision and your whole life fall apart, and that's just in the areas that you have specific control over. What about the ones that you don't? And it's full of concern and worry because you have, you know, instinctively you have a short period of time here, so you need to make the most of what you have while you've got it, because otherwise. You know, you've thrown it all away, and it's one life to live, and all that kind of mentality, right? That is the world. And much of the time, our, that worldly mindset creeps into the body of Christ, and we look at it like, okay, well, <laughs> well, now that I'm a Christian, I've got God on my side. So I've got the upper hand. Because now, if I have a problem, I know where I can run, and he'll help me. So before without God, it was, you're out there on your own, buddy, figure it out. But now with God, at least I can be out there in the world, and if I have trouble, I can run into the strong tower that is his name, and then I'm safe. Until I feel the pull to go back out in the world again instead of staying in the strong tower where it's safe. So let me share a little bit from my, from my life a little bit. There have been a few times where, and notice I just said times, not once. There have been a few times where I have wandered off into the world. I remember the first time when I wandered off into the world. There was a situation that occurred, and I I will not bog you down with details. But my sense of where I belong, who am I in relation to others, God's people, and who am, am I in my sense of who I am to God, was totally destroyed because I had it misplaced. And I wandered off into the world for a while because I didn't think there was any other option for me. And that in itself is a lie, right? You recognize that as a lie, right? Well, I wandered off into the world for a while and I was immediately confronted with a few realities. And one of them was, I am on my own and I can only do with what I have. That's all I can do. And that is a scary place to be in. Because you realize that there are so many things out there that are beyond your control. And the struggle is, how do I gain how do I gain control in my life and yet still be able to do all the things that I want to do? Where do I find that balance? That is the world the world system. It's not a pleasant place to be in. Especially when you have been in a place where you've enjoyed the comfort that comes from knowing that you're in God's plan. From knowing that you are where he wants you to be. There is a security there. There is a protection there. There's a comfort there. But to know that and then to wander away from that, that's a scary thing. To know that God has protected you and and keeps you, and now you are on the outside. That's a frightening place to be in. Did you realize that most of the world lives in that place? But unconsciously, they, deal, they don't live in it consciously most of the time. Yeah. It's like something in the background that moves into the foreground of their life once in a while and then recedes into the background. They live in that place that I'm describing. The Bible calls it without hope and without God in the world. And then once in a while, that comes into the forefront of their life when they realize, I can't deal with this. I don't have the strength in me to, to, to deal with this. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. And that's, that comes into the foreground once again, without hope and without God in the world. It's not a good place to be in. And that is the place where fear reigns. But you and I are not meant to be in that place. At some point in time, we have said, Jesus! <laughs> and have called out on the name of the Lord, and we were saved from that life from that way of living there's there's been a prayer that i've prayed in my life that could, that god has honored continually and i'm so grateful for that there was a point in time it was actually in the same year as pastor neil refers to in 2013 and god brought me back to himself And in that period, I was just so happy to be saved. I'm not on the outside anymore, praise God. I'm on the inside where He is. I'm safe. I'm saved. Safe. And at that time, I had no aspiration to be a wonderful Christian. And what I mean by that, I did not want to just try and be a good Christian. And part of the reason was because I was afraid to fail at it again. So my prayer was, God, don't let me forget this moment, this time where I'm so grateful that I'm just saved. I am not going to hell. Hallelujah. I My life is saved forever. I am with him. I will be with him forever. I will never be lost again. Oh, what a joy that place is. What peace, what comfort that place is to know that I am eternally safe in his hand from this point forward. What a wonderful place to be in. God never let me forget this. And he doesn't. It keeps me in a in a good spot, in a good place, where I'm just grateful. God, thank you. Thank you for delivering me. Because if it was true once, as we've heard Pastor Neil say, he hasn't changed. God hasn't changed. It's true always. He's always that one who has delivered you. He's always that one that has saved you. That hasn't changed. So why should I forget that? Why should I let that slip by me? And knowing me, I thought, well, I'm not going to trust that to my memory. I'll entrust it to his. And then he can remind me. And because he's faithful, he does. And every once in a while, I find myself in that place. You know how you know it's real? It's because when you get down to the heart of what's going on in you, in your heart, those things that God has done come up. You remember, because they're true always. They're eternally present in your heart. There are memorials that live forever. And you remember, God saved me. Hallelujah. What a mess I was. And you're grateful and protected and happy and just, ah, God has kept me. And then you go to church. And then life continues on. And you wonder to yourself, how am I going to I mean, life goes on. You're still in this world, even though you're not of it. So, being in this world, there's challenges that present themselves. And your old way of thinking is okay, how am I going to deal with this? What am I going to do about it? But you see, now that you're a believer, you've come to learn a few things. And those things that you've learned are wait a minute, I can pray about it. Wait a minute. God will help me. Wait a minute, God will bless me. Wait a minute, God will take care of me in all of these areas of my life. and you have some hope about that. And so you go to church and you think, well, what do I have to do? I've got to do this and I've got to and, and you begin to get into this mentality where you think, I've got to do certain things to get God to bless me and take care of my needs again. But then you hear a sermon like what I like to preach sometimes about giving it all to God and you're like, well, let's just see here cuz I don't know about that. I just if I just let everything go, what will he do? If I just trust him with my life, I don't know what he might send me somewhere I don't want to go. He might ask me to give up something I really like. I don't know if I really want to do that maybe there's another way and then we we spend our sermon we listen to a sermon thinking maybe there's another way around this so we try we find a place of Christian compromise where we want our needs met. We want that protection. We want to be in a safe place with God in our our lives, but we're not certain if we really want to go and give up anything that's really all that important. And there's that tension. And when that tension exists that way, we only want to go in so far into God's presence. Because if I go in too far, Uh, Who knows what he's going to tell me to do? Who knows what he's going to say to me? I need to give up. And we end up holding him at arm's length. Arm's length. The only time that God ever held you at arm's length was when you were in the world and proud and arrogant. He knows them from afar off, the Bible says. But even in that place, he sent his son to give his life for you, so that he doesn't have to hold you at arm's length anymore. He never holds us at arm's length. And if he never holds us at arm's length, why would we hold him at arm's length? So I came to some decisions in my Christianity. Some of those decisions, I mean, you can't make these decisions just mentally. You've got to make them with your heart. And one of those decisions was, you know what? God knows best for my life. He knows best. Not only does he know best, but he actually cares about me. Sometimes I think Christians have this mentality about serving God as like being in military school. And have a mentality towards him that way because it's like very rigid, very difficult. He's going to put you through the paces so that you shape up until you become the believer he wants you to be. There is a, uh, there's a parable that talks about that. It's in Matthew chapter 26, I believe. And 26. I'm looking at 28. Sorry, it's Matthew 25, not 26. And we'll just get right down to the main point of it one of the points of it I should say in verse 24 this is this the, about how the master gave talents to his servants the master gave these talents to his servants and he said uh, you know be busy with it be profitable with what I've given you and so we know the story about the other two that did exactly as the master had said to do and they they were they were blessed they did well well done, good and faithful servant. And then we get down to verse twenty-four. He who had received one talent also came forward, saying, "Master, look what he says. I knew you to be a harsh and hard man. What, a harsh and hard man, reaping where you had not, wi- uh, sorry, where you did not sow, and gathering where you had not winnowed. So I was afraid." I was afraid. And I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is your own. And sometimes Christians get that picture of God somehow. That what God expects of me is too hard for me to carry it out. I don't know if I really want to yield to his plan or give my life over to him completely and totally. I mean, at least I'm going to heaven when I die. But I don't know if I, here and now, I'm not so sure about that because what if he tells me to do something I can't do? Well, that's fear in that. What if he tells me to do something I can't do? But you see, the problem isn't so much the fear as much it is not knowing who is the one who's asking you. Who's the one who's saying this? The man here says I knew you to be a hard man. And you can tell that he both doesn't know God or know what it is that God gave him. Cuz he says you sow, sorry, you you reap where you do not sow. Now what does that mean if you reap where you do not sow? Yeah, you're stealing something from me. You know, if I, if I went to, just in, take the same analogy, and I walk up to some farmer, and I go in there and I say, give me the harvest of crops that you've just harvested. The farmer's going to look at me and go, this isn't your harvest. You didn't plant anything there. And yet, this is the mentality that this person had towards God. But did he not know that God gave him that talent? God gave him something. So he sowed something into that man. He sowed a talent into him, something of great value. He gave to this third servant here. He gave it to him. And yet the servant said, well, you don't give me anything to work with. You expect everything and give me nothing. You tell me to go do the work, but you don't put a tool in my hand. That's what this servant is saying. Which proves he did not know the one who was giving him the task, and he did not understand what was already given to him. So I was afraid, and I hid the talent in the ground. And often Christians live in that place because they hear what they need to do and they think, man, I don't know if I've got enough to do that with. That's the same mentality that you had out there in the world when you were on your own. It's the same thing. Man, if I'm gonna make it in life, I've got to do this or do that or what do I have to do to to get anywhere in life? That's the mentality that's in the world, only looking at with what you have to do and thinking, what can this get me? Am I smart? Well, I guess I can go into this profession there. Oh, well, I'm not very book smart. That's just not my thing. I guess I'm going to have to work physical labor for the rest of my life. And limited to what you can do because you're only looking at what you think you have in your hand. And unfortunately, that same mentality creeps into the body of Christ. And we hear God saying, go out into all the world and preach the gospel. And we go, well, I don't know if I can do that. I'm not very good at talking to other people. I don't know if I can do that. I don't think I have anything. I'm not good at sharing the gospel. I don't know if I can do that. I've got to learn something here. I, I, what? And we get into that place. And then we shy away from the command saying, I don't know if I can do that. Meanwhile, he's given you everything that you need to accomplish what he's asking. Given us everything that we need for life and godliness, the Bible says. Why should we be afraid of falling short or failing God or not measuring up when he's given us everything that we need to accomplish what he's telling us to do? There's no reason for us to be in fear. Because, you see, with him, the source is unlimited. And as long as he is our source, we are not without. We are not lacking in any way. We are not those that have to struggle and figure out our way through and be in a place where we're like, well, I can get only so close to God and that I at least can get my needs met. But I don't know if I want to go any further because he might ask me to do something that I just can't do anymore. We don't ever need to be in that place with God. We don't ever need to be concerned. Well, I know God's a hard person, so I don't know how close I want to get to him. We don't have to be in that place. So there are times where I've had to make some decisions, where I've had to say, God, I don't know how this is going to look. I I don't know. I admit, I'm not sure what's going to happen, except you told me to go this way. And I had to make a real decision to trust that he knows best, that he knows which way it's going to go that he knows what the future holds for me, and not just knows, but has my best interest in mind alongside his own. But you see, as long as I'm holding on to my life and trying to grasp and preserve it, I'm losing out. As long as I'm trying to preserve myself, I'm missing it. I'm falling short. but there's a very real place in every believer's life where we can take our life as best as we know it and entrust it into the hands of God to consecrate it unto him and allow him to do with us as he pleases so that in that place he can protect us, he can keep us, he can deliver us, he can be the one that strengthens us and lifts us up. He can be the one to do it, and he's not limited, praise God. You and I might be, and you and I are, but not without him. He is unlimited. We are not without him, is what I should say. And therefore, we are not limited in any way. Now, you can know that in your head, but there's a place where every believer needs to make that decision in their heart. And it looks something like this. It looks something like, God, I'm not sure about what to do or how to do it, but I know that you are leading me and I trust you with my life. It's really, really simple and yet, And yet, there's a real place where we come to that. And only in that place do we find ourselves in the secret place of the Most High. Every time we're going to move forward in God in one way, it's going to cost you something. But the something that it costs you is not worth holding on to. And never is. So don't believe the lie that if I just hold on to this, don't believe that lie. I heard this quote and I believe it to be true. And it's a challenge to my own heart, a good kind of challenge. And that is the war and I forgive me, someone else probably knows who said it, but I don't remember at this point in time. And that is the world has yet to see what 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 God can do with a person who is totally given over to God or yielded to him. Has yet to see. And, I mean, it's a wonderful statement. It's a little untrue. The world did see once, and that would be Jesus. So if you want to know what it's going to look like, well, there you go. That's what it'll look like. And how many of us, well, we all know the place that we're in. But we really need to know the place that he has set us in. And the place that he has set us in is a wonderful place. Yeah. Hallelujah. You know, Abby, I should have actually had the little timer up because I didn't look at the clock before I started. Which time do we have there? <laughs> So like I said, there, to me, there is a place where every once in a while I can hear the Holy Ghost in me. And He just it's just like this place where he says to me, it starts talking to me and showing me a picture of what it's like to have my entire life given over to him. What that really looks like. And it's not so much of what it looks like on the outside. Because often the outside doesn't change too dramatically. It can. He can cause that to change dramatically. But what he's really looking at is really what's going on in here. And I can see that place sometimes. I just, that place of my, I just yielded. I just abandoned to God. A place where I'm not concerned about my life or what's going to happen with it. Where I'm more taken up with what interests him where his desire becomes prominent and first place in my life. I'm not concerned about what others think. I'm not concerned about what may happen. I'm not worried about what the next day will bring, because I am more consumed with what it is that he has for me today, what it is that his desire is today, knowing that when I put my head down on the pillow at night, he has been pleased with me today. He's pleased with the attitude of my heart. He's pleased with what it is that I've done in obedience unto him. He's pleased. I want to know that place in a greater measure. I've known it a little bit here and there, but I want to know it in an all-consuming way. And the only person that stands in the way is me. (laughs) That's it. I'm the only one standing in the way. No one else is in the way. There's nothing that can prevent me from being there with God. And there's nothing that can prevent you from being in that place with him. Where he surrounds you, he enfolds you. He's on the inside and on the outside, praise God. That you are like that Ark of the Covenant, praise God. Gold on the inside and gold on the outside. You just might be wood, but he's on the inside and he's on the outside. And it is a thing of beauty because you carry his presence wherever you go. It's a wonderful place to be in. Hallelujah. I want to know that place more. Because the little bit, the tiniest little bit that I've experienced in my life is so wonderful. It's that little glimpse of that treasure in the field. It's so awesome and amazing. I want to live there. I want to be in that place. And the only thing it's going to cost me is something that doesn't matter anyways. That's why Paul would say things like, ah, oh, these l- light momentary troubles are nothing. In fact, it's earning me a far weight a far greater weight of glory. What is he talking about? Well, he's talking about being whipped and beaten and stoned and ridiculed and thrown out and shipwrecked and all of those things that he experienced because of persecution. That's what he's talking about light and momentary troubles. Because compared to what he sees in Jesus, compared to knowing him, compared to being in that place with God, compared to fulfilling what God's called him to do, all that other stuff is just light and momentary. Nothing. That's a man who's not afraid of the world around him because he knows the greater one who lives within him. And that's not just because he's Paul and God called him to a great thing. That life is the same for every believer. Your station in life might not change, but the inside of you, who you are, can be so flooded with the presence of God that it changes everyone else who comes near you. You can be in that place when your life is in the potter's hands and he molds you and shapes you into the beautiful creation he has made you to be. That is the life that we have, all of us have. So let's not be afraid of the very one who is shaping our lives, who's looking to mold and shape the image of Jesus Christ in us. Let's not be concerned about what will happen when our, with our life when, when all the time the Lord of all eternity is our Lord is the one who is ordering our steps and directing our feet and our path. Let's have full confidence in the one who has given his life for us so that we, in turn, can give ours for his, for him. Please hear the exhortation this morning and hear that there's a higher place for us to live in and walk in a place where the Lord dwells, a place where he dwells in us, a place of glory, a place of strength, far above the troubles of this life and the the meaninglessness and vanity of temporary earth living and all its concerns that fade and perish when he does not. Let's be in that place with our great God. And the only thing that's required is a yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. You called, I answer. Yes, Lord. You lead, I follow. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. Let's pray and then we'll take some lunch. I like to stand and pray, so since I'm already standing, will you stand with me, please? Now, before we do that, I just want to give a little bit of a quick testimony. I believe, first of all, this is on the assumption that you heard something from God this morning, yes? Not just me talking or yelling. (laughs) That the Lord touched your heart and said something to you specific. Well, I didn't have a message when I stood up here this morning. And I had a constant struggle to... Not rely on my previous preaching experience. But Lord, you know what the people need to hear. And I'm going to get up there and open my mouth and you are going to fill it. And not let the weight and the pressure. Well, I gotta have something ready. It's supposed to be an hour. I'm supposed to be teaching on having no fear. What am I gonna talk about? And not let the pressure dictate. At every point and turn in our lives, we can be confident in him who is faithful. Even when you feel like you've got nothing, your feelings are lying. You have him, praise God. And he is more than enough. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We have a great and wonderful life that is hidden With Christ in God, hallelujah. I thank you, Lord God. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I praise you and I thank you for the work you are doing in us. I thank you, your words are seeds that grow in our hearts and produce a harvest, praise God. I thank you that every one of us is precious to you, is precious and valuable to you, and is worth the sacrifice of your own son. And I thank you that you are taking us in your hand and you are causing us every day to be more and more like your wonderful son. I thank you that you are the one who orders our steps. You are the one who directs our paths. And I thank you that you have enabled us, everyone, to have the courage and the boldness to enter in. The courage and the boldness to say, yes, Lord. I will follow you. I will go where you go. I will be with you where you are. Hallelujah. And I thank you for what you're doing in every single person, every ear that hears. Father, we give you praise and honor in the wonderful and glorious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus, the anointed one. And all God's people say, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. As, As everything has gone on this morning
2: and and. When we first talked about having this meeting, this was back when we had our meetings on prayer in January. And, and this was something that popped up during those meetings that we should do one uh, regarding fear. And as we talked and different one of us were praying about it as we heard Pastor Jason say, um, he's just relying on God to show him what to bring out. And every one of us has brought out something that didn't sound like it was dealing with fear initially, but that's exactly what it's doing. And I've often used this reference of when we're wanting change in our life, that it's kind of like one of those Jenga things, you know? God knows which thing to pull out for the whole thing to come down. <laughs> and, and dealing with fear is kind of like that. We often don't know what the trigger is or what the point is, but what gets us through is knowing who God is Amen. every time. Uh, I think that once I turned 60, which wasn't in the last two months, um (laughs) it means I'm I'm almost I'll be 62 this year I I started this sort of reflective process and sometimes it got it got ignited by people asking me questions well how did you get here and how did this work and I don't know I just do it and that's where we'd like you to come to with some of the things of God that they become so natural in your life or just matter of fact is what we do, this is this is how God wants us to live. So we're not looking at you becoming a superstar, you're not the Marvel hero or you know you're, and certainly not that guy who turns green when he gets angry, um, <laughs> although it'd be a good warning sign. Um, <laughs> oh they're green, don't go near them that day. My grandmother, she had a hair thing going on and and uh, when she was having a rough day or something her hair went really straight and usually off to the side and, and as kids we go, Watch grandma's hair. And we just go around her. She lived with us, and, and we learned a lot from her, but we learned how to avoid the anger days. Primarily, she did that because she was in pain. And because of her personality, she did not like to admit that she was in pain or ask for help. And those are some of the things we deal with. And I think it's very crucial in our or in this hour that we live in and, and so this was the scripture that come, kept coming up to me even though I have n- notes and notes and notes and notes and notes on fear, notes on protection because I really believe that that's core in our structure of how to overcome fear is understanding the protection or knowing God as we heard about. But this was the, the scripture that coming kept coming to me from John chapter eight, if you wanna turn there. John chapter eight. And Pastor Ann was talking about love, and we've heard about caring, and I had to learn not to care, but my husband's very good at that. He said, care right, He said, because I had this thing as a pastor that if I, I took responsibility so seriously, I took it home with me. I cared wrong, and I tried to carry that, and it just about took me out. And, and I also wanted to add, just because you begin to walk in all these good things that, that we've been talking about all day doesn't mean you'll have to go into ministry if you let go of things. Yeah. Amen? You can be a business person. Shouldn't you be a business person and not live in fear? Absolutely. Did you find John chapter 8? Yeah. All right. Verse 39 uh, we're going to start there. It says, "The answered and said unto them, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if, A- if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. What were the works of Abraham? He did right. He believed God, even when it didn't look like he should. And it was counted unto him for righteousness. That's what we've learned from Romans chapter 4. He said, but now you seek to kill me. A man has told you the truth, which I've heard of God. This did not Abraham, you do the deeds of your father. Then they said to to them, we be not born of fornication. We have one father, even God. And Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God. Neither came I of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not get it? That's Gwen version of understand my speech. (laughs) And this was the word that kept coming up to me, even because you cannot hear my word because you cannot hear how many times if you go through the gospel does Jesus say he that hath an ear to hear let him hear here is hearing is vital to everything we do and when it comes to knowing God knowing we can trust him knowing he's the God that does not lie no numbers 23 it says he's not a man that he should lie right so God didn't lie what he told you is true What he tells you will come to pass. Now, it may not be, especially if it's for the nations, it may not be till after you pass away, but it will still be the truth of God. If it's for you personally, it should happen while you're yet breathing. Amen? Amen. (laughs) Jeremiah, nothing, I believe that he prophesied over the nations. It was, I uh, believe, just around 70 years before even one of the prophecies came to pass, but they all came to pass. And Isaiah said, This is the truth. What God says is truth, and we need to rely on that. We need to know this. By faith, he is able to keep us. He's able to keep us. And those are words that we need to hear more than any other word. These are the kinds of words that will stabilize us when fear tries to come knocking at your door. You say, but God has said this. Whenever I've stepped out in ministry, sometimes I've gone some places There's like, hmm. And God said, go. And we did. And we were safe. And there were times I had to go back and say, God, you said. But because I learned to trust God, because I learned that he didn't lie, that he's always going to keep the truth, then I could stand. And those things that tried to come, when the wind blew me, and it blew, I could feel the wind. I could feel the strain. But it'd keep me calm. But I had to make that choice to trust that I had to make a choice to hear that. And one of the ways that I used was to speak it. God, this is your word. This is what you said. And when I spoke it out of my mouth, my ears heard it. And my mouth, my ears and my head, they're all joined. They're all one. And I've said this before, and it's the truth. You will believe what comes out of your mouth more than what you believe. It comes out of someone else's. This is why it's up to you what you say. Now, I can agree with my neighbor to some degree. Now, Doreen might say, I'm praying about this, and I'll say, yes, Pat, I agree with you, Doreen. And and that's good, and I may say something, she might agree. But mostly, I believe what I say, because that's how we're wired. We believe what comes out of our mouth. That's That's, otherwise it'd be weird, right? When I was growing up, one of our siblings, my siblings used to call me stupid all the time. I was an A student, so that didn't make any sense. That's what he called me, called me stupid. And it wasn't until I started speaking that out of my mouth that I started having trouble. And I started saying, well, I'm stupid. I bump into things. I'm stupid, I'm clumsy. I'm just clumsy, I'm just clumsy, I'm just clumsy. And because I'm clumsy, I must be stupid. Next test I wrote, did terrible. Started to be a reality in my life. What I spoke came to pass. My ears heard it. They believed it. When I began to speak, and one day, I, I heard myself saying this over one of her children. Now, it took taken me years to get there. But I went, oh my goodness, they're clumsy, just like me. Ah, <laughs> I don't want that curse to continue. And so I'm realizing it was a curse, I began to change it. Every time I spoke it, my heart was hearing those words. And, and when I said, ah, oh, this makes me so afraid. Hmm, really? Oh, good. At least we know where that's going. Some people have come to me and said, you know, I know this is never going to happen to me. And I used to try to correct that. Oh, don't say that. And the, and the confession police in me would write, I, I've got my badge here. Let me correct your speech. Do you know that it didn't work? Didn't work for me to do it to me to correct my speech. It certainly wasn't doing it to help anybody else, either. So I s- changed strategies. I started agreeing with them. So I heard somebody the other day saying, well, you know, I'll probably never own a house here. I said, no, it's probably true. And they went, well, that's not really what I meant. OK, I, you said it. So I'm just agreeing with you. And they're like, oh, I think I could. Okay. I, just, I wasn't going to help them. You know, I thought, I'll just let you swim in the water. <laughs> and I went, I believe God can provide me a house. I went, okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, and I, I, I said nothing to correct it. I just kept agreeing with them. <laughs> Do we agree? We agree automatically with what's in our heart and what's coming out of our mouth. That's why it's so important to hear why it's so important to hear if we're always speaking fear and the words of fear they get in us we could see that cycle in the last two years all this is gonna happen to me how many people have said this so many people are dying yes they die every day in fact I remember some stat about something about there's you know someone passes away in the world every eight seconds or something like that somebody's born every six that's why the population increases so there's people dying all the time folks and that's not not, you know do we care about everyone them? well not like pastor told us like "Mm, we're going to be careful about what we care about and how we care i realized that the that underneath all of these things that god was trying to bring alive in me because i believe that that he is able because i believe he is able because i believe he's able to keep me from falling because i believe that because that's what the bible says i came back and i said okay there's something disrupting this process, <laughs> and and I wasn't quite sure what it was. But you know, God will lead us in different ways, meet different people, and so I was. I had I had reached out, and I was using my faith, and I was young in it, you know. And I had seen this conference, and I thought, hmm, I I should go to this. So, yeah, yeah. I didn't have any money. I couldn't take it out of the family budget. We were pretty tight lots of children coming around everywhere and <laughs> things were tight I couldn't I knew I couldn't pull that out of there and the next song, some comes up to me and says I feel like I should buy you a ticket do you want it to go? like oh that's how that works amen you know and so I received the ticket and then somebody said I'm going you can share a room with me didn't have to pay for hotel this was getting better every moment um and I decided I could use a little fasting and prayer, so it was okay if I didn't have any money for food. I'd be all right. There was, like, coffee always in the hotel uh, lounge. I thought a coffee and water were available. I'll be good for five days. And then before I left, a bunch of people gave me money, and I was like, well, this is really cool. <laughs> While I was there, people gave me books. I was so blessed. I came home with more money than when I left with. People bought me lunch and took me out for lunch. It was fantastic. And one of these days, somebody invites me out, and they said, come sit with us, and there had been this person I had seen all along. They weren't one of the special or guest speakers, just a person, just there. And it was like, I kept looking at them. And I was like, God, why do I keep, you know? It's like, you should have them pray for you. So I see him this one day at lunch. Now now these people invited me to lunch, and it was like one of those really expensive places everybody's like really, you know, whatever. And so we're sitting down there, and I see him. And after we just finished lunch, and I said, oh, I've been watching you this convention, and this is like day four or something. And I said, would you pray for me? I said, sure, sit right down. And so I sit down, and loud, bold tongues grabs my head like Pastor Neil does. You know, you've seen him, ha, and he's,
3: you know, and I'm like,
2: you know, my head's going this way, that way, the other way, up, down, over. And he's, I command the fear of man to be broken off your life. I'm dying, man. I'm dying. I was like, oh, Jesus. And like, I can go with this and cooperate right now, or I can slide out and get really, uh, I'm going with it, Jesus, because I know this is the truth. I am afraid of what people think because I cared wrong. And that was at the root of wrong caring. Was fear of what people thought about me. So he gets done. And and like once I yielded, you know, it all went better. And I felt good. And I felt the anointing. And I was feeling better. I'm like, oh, this is so good. I could feel that this, the restraint come off. This was part of God's answer of keeping me. And you know, it all gets done. I'm thank you. I'm like, I'm relieved. And I look up. Because there's two levels in this restaurant. And about head level as I'm getting up, there's all the guest speakers. And they're watching. (laughs) (laughs) I died twice that day. (laughs) (laughs) It never had to go that way. I had held fear of man a long time. Held it wrong. And because of fear of man, I wanted to be perfect. There's still days I want to be perfect. I want to be a good Christian, right? I want to be a perfect Christian. I want to do it all right. And none of that works, ever, ever. I am a living testimony. You can be delivered of it. Amen? And when it tries to bring back that familiar voice, I go, no, 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 no. You're not allowed in my life anymore faith that he is able he's he's good the vital importance that you can hear his voice no matter what his faith comes by hearing and when you get in there you can hear how his armor will protect you much of the dealings of fear are really because we don't believe God will get us through or protect us and we don't understand how to pull that protection into our life we don't know how to access it but protection is a great promise now I was thinking about this and I thought about, uh, actually I was inspired about it on Sunday morning, about angels and how God gave us these these angels. They're not humans. We're never going to be an angel. I don't like those little pictures here. You know, in Valentine's Day, I make some jokes about that. <laughs> yeah, a flap of their wings. I said, you know, I, and, uh, like, okay, you think about it. You just step back for a minute and don't get offended with me. Well, you might anyway, but bless you. So here comes, this is the whole, uh, Cupid is often, like, pictured, sometimes red, but a baby with a diaper on has got arrows that are going to shoot in your heart, and you're going to be stung with the next person you live in, and you're going to be bound to them in a wrong kind of love. And that's an angel. No, that's a demon. Amen? <laughs> Angels don't go around like with little harps and like in diapers. (laughs) You never see that. Oh, here comes a seraphim. Catch the diaper, you know. (laughs) And no wonder this very divine protection that God has given us, we've, you know, manufactured into some little thing. Oh, and then they picture these sweet little things coming out of the sky. And they hover over you. Someone's about to die. They might show up. And they hover. Mm -hmm. They'll sing. Mm -hmm. This is divine power packed. Take them out the devil kind of guys. And we've lowered them into some kind of weird thing. God's divine protection for us here on earth. That are to minister his covenant promises. So here we are messengers from heaven. They show up everybody gets afraid. Why didn't they kill them? They didn't. Angels never showed up and killed people. Not, not God's children anyway. <laughs> Says they're going to sort out the weeds later. But so here's God's divine protection. It's sent to the earth. Actually, uh, Pastor Neil was reading from a portion that talks about it later in in Hebrews chapter one. How they are coming and and, and in Psalm 103. So let's turn to Psalm 103. Get a hold of this is God's protection. Psalm 103. At the end, Isaiah, Jeremiah, it's before then, Job, Psalm 103. I like to underline things. My Bible looks like a mess if you don't understand my writing, but praise the Lord for people around me who, and I can understand my writing most of the time. (laughs) Amen. Psalm 103, verse 20 says, Bless the Lord, you as angels that excel in strength. And that's where a lot of people go, oh, he's talking about us. No, no, he's not. That excel in strength, that excel in strength, that excel in strength. They're strong, they're not weak, they don't lay down, and they're not worried if a demon shows up. Demons are angels that got kicked out and lost the glory, lost the power. That's why they try to use people. So demons are, are of the same class of being. Like You have apples, you have oranges, they're different classes. Apples are apples. They don't become an orange because you tell them they're an orange. Right? Where I'm a man and I'm a woman, and that's a, I'm a, I'm a woman, that's a man, and I don't change by what I say about it. Amen? I, you know, and I don't waste the creative power of God trying to change any critter into something it was never designed to be. Hmm? He's given us power to speak things says, ye as angels that excel in strength. Excel is a, an important word. <laughs> that do his commandments, hearkening, listening, and doing. So we say hearken, listen, and do. I told our kids growing up, you know, listen and obey. <laughs> That's what you need to do. Listen and obey. Amen. Hearkening unto the voice of his... Stuff he's kind of meditating on his word hearkening unto the voice of his word and i always thought isn't it interesting that it's the voice of his word it's not just the words he speak there's there's a voice that comes with it and when you think about then put that together with john chapter 10 that his sheep hear his voice he's the voice of what many waters mm. so we know that his voice carries life There's life and authority when God speaks. So it's not just like the words on paper, which is why. I know I'm talking quickly. When we're just like quoting scriptures, it'll have a little bit of effect, but it won't. When it's got his voice, which comes through his anointing, when it's combined like that, when it's the spirit and the word in agreement, it'll carry his voice. And that voice of waters, the voice of his life, they come through and they operate together. Now, the angels hearken, they listen and obey that. They go, that's the voice of the heavenly father. What are you telling me to do? Here's the covenant promise that God has given us. It accesses and opens the door to divine power to come into operation and do what they were assigned to do. They hearken. They listen to that. Oh, there's the voice. Now, do you think God's voice will be without his presence, anointing, glory, power, any of those things? Of course not. We absolutely agree with that and it can operate in any believers life any believers life did he not say in John 17 right that that we would be one as he is one and operate in his glory people are afraid to walk in his glory Well, we shouldn't be we talked about earlier being afraid of the things of God being afraid of God we should never be afraid of God or what he gives us we in this nation need to be able to speak for this nation. It's not an accident that you and I are here. I don't believe in that stuff. I don't believe in yin-yang. I believe it's with purpose, with calling, with assignment. Pastor Jason referred to setting. All of these things have lined up so we could come to a place where we're solid and where he set us. When we agree with that, we'll have messages for where he set us strengths for for that and if you look back and you say oh my goodness this has all been here for me when we started out this day remember i said like it's all that it, we are complete in him we're complete in him and as the water pours on it opens up and the water of the word has been pouring on as we hear it opens the door for the seed of the word that we've received to be watered and for that tree of life to come forth His tree of life carries those promises. It carries, we are the planting of the Lord. We walk in his righteousness. Now, we have angelic protection to cover us, protect us, keep us, minister covenant to us as we walk in that place of his will. So the big question, what is his will for my life? And that's where people get stuck. That's where they get stuck. Well, what do you think about his will in your life? Is it for every person to be a minister? Well, in the, only in the sense of being a servant, right? Because a minister and a servant, they're kind of the same word. We know that. Our divine purpose, he's given us to be reconciled to God. Our first priority is getting to know God. This is life eternal, John 17, verse 3. This is life eternal, that we might know God and Jesus Christ, his Son, whom he has sent. That's eternal life. It's not making a confession of salvation. And many times in evangelism, we have kind of jumped over this part. Just say the prayer. And here it is in the back of the book. Just say these words, you'll be saved. Come in. Let the Holy Ghost get a hold of your heart. Wait long enough in that place of conviction where you feel uncomfortable and you know the Holy Ghost is after your bones. You know what I'm saying? There's a fire it should be shut up in your bones, but there's a place where there's an ache in there. There's a place where sin sickness has got to come out of us and where we go, you know what? I'm not embarrassed anymore. I did sin. I sinned with all my might. You know when I'm sinning, I sin well. I never do a halfway job about anything I set my mind to. So when I set my mind to sin, I did it all over. And even if you didn't purpose, so to speak, in your heart to sin, you did. You did sin. So did I. And sometimes I enjoyed it. Ah! Yeah! But not for long. <sighs> I had a praying Grandma. I said, you know, it says the pleasure of sin for a season. I never had that. I was always miserable when I was sinning. So I've taken upon myself to pray that (laughs) for all my kids, and that includes not just my natural ones. And while you're living in sin, you won't be happy. (laughs) Holy Ghost, come after you, because I cannot. I can't fix your sin, but I know who can. (laughs) I went somewhere. So when it comes to sin, let's never be embarrassed about it. It's what holds us off and causes us to hide, causes us to cover. We get in a mess, but the angels of God are there to protect you. Now, temptation's not sin, right? Temptation is not sin, and God can help you stay out of it you have to listen and obey now you will find that if you're listening God will actually help you in those areas uh, there was a time I, um, many of you know that there, there was a time in my life where I enjoyed drinking and when I was drinking it's a short period of my life but I never did anything halfway you know, you've seen the way I drink and consume coffee or water or whatever happens to be there. I, it doesn't matter whether it's juice, coffee, water, tea. I will drink a lot of drinks. I just, while I'm talking, I get happy and I'm like, oh, oh, I drank four cups of coffee. Whoops. <laughs> you know, I just, we're happy. We're having a good time. Oh, we went out for coffee. I drank five cups, you know. And when i was hanging out with the people who were going to bars. I, I drank all night. Bless the Lord. I'm a big bird. I was working out all the time. So I consumed great quantities. And regret in the morning. <laughs> and and in the middle of that, and 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 when God del- it was just I the desire went. Like what am I doing? And it costs a lot of money. And <laughs> my reasoning self went, oh that's ridiculous. And I didn't like the being out of control part. Uh, of myself, I didn't like that. So, it, although it was a short period in my life, I, uh, there were reasons that I know other people drink that, that weren't my reasons at all. I did it because I was out with everybody and hanging out and having a party. And, and so that ended. But years later, and I'm talking 15 years later, married, couple kids, not all three, just two. I came to a place where there was great pressure because I was carrying things wrong and started caring wrong and caring wrong and caring wrong. And I got up and I started pacing the floor. Everybody's sleeping. I said, God, I'm in a mess. I've got money. I know where that bar is. And and I knew if I took that drink that night, it would be for the, all the wrong reasons in the world. And I paced the floor and I was talking English. <laughs> and 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 that's when I remembered that song from Jude. Now unto him who is able to keep me from falling and to present me faultless. And it kept coming to me, that verse, and I could hear the song ringing inside, but I couldn't get the words out right away. But I kept praying, and then I began to turn into tongues. I, I, I was probably two or three hours in prayer. And I'll tell you what, as I could hear the, I knew that was angelic and the Holy Ghost working in my life. And I listened and I never fell. He kept me from falling. And I got up that day and I knew, I knew something. And you know, when I got up in the morning, went back to bed after finally it got settled, I went back to bed, I got up the next day and it was like, I never looked back. And I knew in the midst of that, once those words started coming out of my mouth, now unto him who was able to keep me from falling and present me faultless and present me faultless and present me faultless, I knew I'd turned a corner. And, and I knew he kept me from the temptation of sin. It began to build a great place in my life. Some people, how'd you end up being a preacher? That's some in the house. (laughs) Because of God's delivering power. Because his word came alive in me, I heard it. Even when it was hard to hear, he spoke it. Even when I may have appeared deaf to his work, he was working on me. He was doing here, blesses, bless the Lord, all, his angels excelling in strength. I needed some strong medicine that night. I needed that to, the, to know that the Holy Ghost wouldn't back off on me, and he won't back off on you. He will not. He will not. He pursued me. Yes, I pursued God, but he pursued me, and he pursues you. And we just don't hide from that. Don't hide from his pursuit of us. He wants to protect us. He wants to keep us. But too often, if we've got that shell of protection of ourself, that place where we've hid ourselves, embarrassment, whatever, shame. It wasn't until years later when, when I realized I was dealing with another situation now as a pastor trying to help somebody. And I, I thought... I feel embarrassed by what's going on with this person. And I talked to the Lord about it just like that. I said, God, I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed. And I began to talk. He said, Why are you embarrassed? It's not your sin. But it took me about two and a half days of praying before I got there. But praise the Lord, I kept praying until I got there. Because I trusted His word. Because I trusted His word. Luke 4 and 10 says, he's given his angels charge over thee to keep thee. Now, he said that to Jesus. But if you said it to Jesus and Jesus is in me, he's given it to us. His angels will keep us. They'll keep us. And he is able to keep you and I from falling. That doesn't mean, oh, you know, they're still here. They're still working. Angels are still here on the earth. And they're here today. We don't look around going like, oh, do you see an angel? Do you see it? I don't know. But they will minister covenant to us. They will bring it to us. The, I have a covenant of peace that shall not depart. So if something comes along that isn't peace, I say, hang on. You promised in Isaiah chapter 54, verse 10. It says, "He's, he's he, There is a covenant of peace that said it shall not depart. I feel like it's trying to go out the door, God. Be honest with God. So how did he deal with the shame of another? It wasn't my thing, it wasn't my thing. So, you know, once he removed that piece and showed me, wait a minute, why am I embarrassed for someone else's sin? I could pray different because you see, when I was embarrassed, I was starting to pull the care back. I was caring wrong. All right, now I'm clear. Now I was able to pray with a clearer conscience, a clearer mind and a clearer way to hear his voice that carries his life his voice the voice of many waters carries his life voice of many waters what does water represent life the voice of many waters his voice carries life his voice carries the anointing it carries that divine presence so when god speaks and we hear it it's not just the words on paper and just as the angels hearken unto it we should we should I thought, you know, we see the angels, and they it says in the pool Bethesda, right, where the guy's sitting there. And Jesus says, how come you're not healed? Well, you know, the angel comes at a certain time, and he stirs the pool, and a couple of people, but I can't get in there, no one will help me. I thought of that when you were bringing the word, Pastor Jason. No one will help me. Here by myself, I'm trying to fix it all myself, trying to get in the water, but no one will help me. Well, the angels were doing what they were supposed to do. They were hearkening, and people were getting healed. But he was fussing at the side of the pool. Fussing. Mm -hmm. No one's carrying, no one comes, and then then by the time they come, then then it's gone, and there's no healing in the water anymore for me.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: Well, anyway, (laughs) you get the idea. You get the idea. So before we have a time, I could go on and on about angels and how they help us and you could hear that and there's lots of teachings on that I like to talk about angels they've helped me so many times I have great stories and other people that have shared with me about how angels have showed up but the, the point is if you'll hear his voice you'll hear his direction, you'll hear his help he'll get you out of situations every time go this way, don't go that way I've had enough of the bad ones where I didn't listen that you know but of course, you know, I'm not, I'm talking to myself here, right? <laughs> Let's go to Romans 8. We've heard about the love of God, how it helps us. We don't have to get under these things. And we don't have to cover them up and let them be under, but we can have them gone forever, right? Amen. Romans chapter 8. That these things would come alive in every one of us. And recognize the good things God has prepared for us. Every time he shows up and says, fear not, fear not, fear not, fear not, fear not, must make it a choice. Amen. Did you find Romans chapter 8? Now thinking about all the things you've heard this day. How often we... Just quote a scripture, but we don't have the voice in it. Now, the voice is there. The voice is there. You're born again, but you don't always listen. Neither do I. Right? But if Jesus is in us, the voice is always there. Right? He's there. But sometimes you're doing your thing, and you forget to ask. Hmm? But you could. You could. He's always there. Verse 38. And if I could encourage you in any way. Let this grab a hold of your heart today. I am persuaded. We need to be persuaded. We need to be persuaded. Unmoved. Convinced. Confident. Confident that this is not just words on paper that you're going to type up and put in a little sticky note now I put I use sticky notes I like them I carry them with me when people are asking for miracles other people carry other things but I have sticky notes and pages of them and that's because I like reminders <laughs> people give me prayer requests that's what I do with them I carry them with me and and I remember them and I pray for the people who have called out for prayer because I believe he hears my prayers. I believe he hears my voice. I'm confident that when I'm praying his covenant promises, they will come to pass. I've witnessed it. I've seen it. I've seen physical miracles. I've seen emotional miracles. I've seen it. Now, I haven't seen every kind of miracle yet. Amen. I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate me from the love of God. And I include in there any crazy voice that comes from the enemy. As someone who is called to the ministry, I can tell you that there are days when it seems very difficult. And I can tell you that every time I pause and I wait for his voice, he gets me up. I, I've shared this little point before and it had to do with a little bit different situation. But that, that Psalm where David cries out and he says, I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor a seed begging bread, I believe it's Psalm 27. And I yelled at him one day, I said, well, I have. And I went back and read it again. It was the righteous. And I knew in my heart it's because people didn't believe they were righteous. I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. Were we the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus? Yes, but some people were going around, I'm so unworthy. And cutting themselves out by their own words. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Because I'm righteous, and I believe it, and I believe it, and I believe it. This is active in my life. I don't care. I don't care what the devil says. I don't care what the government says. I don't care what relatives say and what men say. I care about what my husband says. And I just don't care wrong. I don't let it be a burden on my shoulders. I come to the place where these words have become my life. I'm not afraid to die. But I'm also not afraid to live. We need to live. It is our call. It is our place to lift up the nations. We're not going to look. Oh, here comes a person from this particular ministry. They'll come and save us as a nation. Nope. We're here. We have the anointing, and we will walk in it. And we will do what he's called us to do. And we'll put in every piece he's put in our heart. And there may be days when you think, <laughs> don't listen to that voice. No, None of those voices. Death, life, angels, principality. Mm-mm-mm. Nothing could separate me, not even this crazy lie, crazy stuff. That doesn't mean there may be moments in your future where you might think, Ooh, it's pretty scary, but God will get you through every time, every time. He's been too much of a blessing in my life, too evident of his delivering power. And that didn't ever make me weird. Well, weird for some people, but. I was sharing some scripture and encouragement with someone yesterday. And and they said, uh, you know, we're all so much alike. And I said, well, I don't think we should be the measure. They <laughs> said, well, we're just so normal. We like each other. And I'm like, well, <laughs> we are not normal by the world's standards. But they are not the measure in my life. They are not. But God sure is. And he helps me. And that's so wonderful to know. When Jesus was just about to go to the cross, he says these words to the disciples in Matthew 26. Put up your sword into its place. For all they that take the sword shall perish with the sword. Think thou that I cannot now pray to my father and he shall presently give me more than 12 legions of angels. But that was not his will that day. He knew his passage was to the cross. But he also knew that if it wasn't his time, they couldn't touch him. If it's not your time, you'll be here until it is. Don't be afraid to live. Be bold in that thing. He's bold. He's in us. We heard that scripture about being bold. Be bold. He's in us. We go through. We stand above. We're the head and not the tail. And if you have to just meditate on that one every day this week and for the next three months, I don't think that's a bad thing. Amen.
1: Thank you for listening today. We hope you have been strengthened and encouraged by the message you've heard. To hear more from our pastors or to learn more about Celebration Life Church, you can visit our website at celebrationlife.ca. You can contact us by phone at 604-594-7327 or you can write to us at Unit 2A 13139 80th Avenue, Surrey BC, V3W 3B1.